I'm Will Baker, president of the Chesapeake Bay Foundation, and welcome to our continuing podcast series, Turning the Tide, Saving the Chesapeake Bay. I'm really pleased today to welcome Harry Campbell, our Pennsylvania executive director based in our Harrisburg office. Harry, I want to turn to you, but just let me give a little bit of background about where we are. I think most of our listeners know about the Chesapeake Clean Water Blueprint, but in very simple terms, it's the state-federal partnership that sets specific limits for the reduction of nitrogen, phosphorus, and sediment to the bay and all the rivers and streams that lead into it. It's about six years in the running now, having gotten started in 2009. And each of the states has specific uh, targets to reach on reducing all of those pollutants in two-year increments. The um, importance of CBF's effort in Pennsylvania, concentrated in our Harrisburg office, but really stretching throughout the part of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania that drains into the Chesapeake Bay, is extremely important to the overall effort. As we know, the Susquehanna River provides as much as 50%, sometimes even a little more, of all the fresh water entering the Chesapeake Bay. So it's critical to the health of the overall system. So let's get started, Harry. Uh, Describe to us where Pennsylvania is in terms of the Chesapeake Clean Water Blueprint. Well, unfortunately, Will, Pennsylvania's plan to implement the Chesapeake Bay Clean Water Blueprint is significantly behind. We have not held up to our promises in terms of implementing the pollution reduction practices necessary on the ground to reduce the influence of agricultural runoff and urban and suburban runoff. That being said, the one shining light within this process has, uh, has been, however, we have actually exceeded our requirements for wastewater treatment plants and the reductions associated with sewage treatment discharge into the Chesapeake Bay watershed. But that's only a, a small sliver of the overall problem. And of that problem, we are significantly behind in implementation. Well, I guess that's in some respects understandable, isn't it, in the fact that sewage treatment upgrades have really been the first step for any of the states in in terms of drawing down on the pollution. It's not easy, but it's a technological solution basically bolting on new technology to existing sewage treatment plants, and and the gains are significant. So we need to celebrate the good news. But talk Mm -hmm. a little bit more about what is specifically needed uh, in Pennsylvania with regard to agricultural pollution reduction and the reduction from municipalities and the hardened surfaces in urban and suburban areas. But I think agriculture is is, is by far the largest sector. And in that regard, and with it being so important in Pennsylvania, it's a, it's a specific challenge. That's right. And in fact, in regards to the nitrogen, phosphorus, and sediment load, agriculture is responsible for well over 50% of that in Pennsylvania. And in fact, it also is the leading cause of stream impairments in the state of Pennsylvania. And so addressing this issue is not only paramount 
for achieving our clean water goals, but also in terms of achieving local water quality impairment. What is needed right now is leadership and investment. We've created in the Clean Water Blueprint a plan, and that plan, based on science, engineering, and experience, will get us the reductions we need. What we have failed to do, and this goes back all the way back to the 1980s when the Bay effort had started, what we have failed to do is actually implement the plans that we've come up with. And that was a reflection of lack of investment and leadership and attention to these issues, both at the, at the gubernatorial level, certainly within the legislature, and all the way down to open governments and individual citizens. Without that investment, then the cost share money is not available, the technical assistance is not available, and therefore the implementation lags behind. And I was going to come to the money question because while money is not everything, <laughs> it certainly does help uh, many situations, doesn't it? Um, so uh, I remember uh, looking at some statistics a few weeks ago and seeing that I think Pennsylvania spends something in the neighborhood of $60 million annually in tax credits for television and film production. So it's not as if the money's not there. It's simply that it needs to be prioritized. What are some of the other sources of money that might be available uh, for the future? Well, there's certainly a lot of opportunities to make decisions at the legislative level that would potentially provide additional uh, focused funding for water quality initiatives. And right now, there's a lot of conversation within the legislature and even to a growing uh, level within the administration of the necessity for what's called Growing Greener or Growing Greener 3. This was actually a program established by Governor Ridge back in the early 2000s, a significant investment based on um, taxes, essentially, fees for landfill, use of landfills in the state of Pennsylvania that were allocated for environmental projects, including addressing agriculture and stormwater runoff. And that has been occurring to some degree uh, since that period of time. Growing Greener 3, though, this effort is being identified as now the clean water growing greener. This is clean water's day in the sun. And opportunities such as the potential for a consumptive use fee on water within our river basins. And essentially having a fee for the, the use of that water going back into a revolving fund, if you will, that would then be utilized to address non-point source pollution problems within the watersheds in which they're created. There's efforts to accentuate and expand existing tax credits that we have for conservation-based programs, primarily uh, the REAP program, which helps fund conservation BMPs for farmers, as well as certain types of businesses, and expanding that so it's more robust, more competitive, more opportunity. But what we need to be able to do is not only utilize our existing resources more smartly, in prioritizing where and when and how they're used, but we also need to garner additional funds through, say, a, con uh, a consumptive use fee and really focus that investment where we know it'll get the most bang for the buck. And water quality brings with it 
a myriad of ecological and societal benefits to the tune of which, as you know, uh, if we implement this plan, we will see a $6 billion plus dollar return on our investments in Pennsylvania alone. Clean water counts. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned the financial benefit because all too often uh, we in the environmental advocacy community are, are hit with the argument that it's either the economy or the environment, and you can't have both. And I think that that report that you cited clearly shows the economy and the environment are really just two sides of the same coin. Uh, talk a little bit more, too, about water quality in Pennsylvania. Certainly, we're the Chesapeake Bay Foundation, and a lot of people think that just means the bay in Maryland and Virginia. But science has clearly told us to look at the entire system. All the rivers and streams that make up the Chesapeake Bay watershed really are the definition of the whole. So, well, you're absolutely right. The health and condition of the Chesapeake Bay is largely reflective on the health condition not only of the Susquehanna River, but the, the rivers and streams that feed into it. Mm-hmm. Pennsylvania as a whole, the Commonwealth, has roughly 19,000 miles of its own rivers and streams that are considered impaired for water quality criteria. And impaired is a technical Clean Water Act term, correct? Yes. It is essentially identifying whether or not those rivers and streams are meeting water quality standards as established by the state and or federal government. And the Department of Environmental Protection goes out and assesses these streams for their health and condition, their biological integrity, their chemical integrity, and their physical integrity. And based on that information, it makes a scientific assessment of whether or not those streams are meeting the standards we've put in place for them. And unfortunately, roughly 19,000 miles of Pennsylvania's own rivers and streams do not meet these requirements that we've set. 19,000 miles of rivers and streams in Pennsylvania impaired. You're a resident of Pennsylvania. All of our staff in the Harrisburg office are residents of Pennsylvania. What, What does that mean to you? Uh, in your daily lives and with your children and your outdoor interests? What it means for me is that my son may not be able to fish where he wants to fish. He may not be able to catch fish where he wants to fish. He may not be able to recreate where he wants to. It means that I may have to be concerned at certain drinking water sources. It means that flooding may affect communities, communities that... I live in and he may live in and my daughter may live in. It affects our quality of life as Pennsylvanians that the water quality right in our own backyard, in our rivers and streams, is not as good as it could be. And it's unfortunate because we know how to fix it. All we need is the leadership and investment. And you you had mentioned a term earlier, clean water counts. And I, I, I think we found that poll after poll people are concerned about clean water, they want clean water, and you even mentioned water from municipal sources. Of course, if, if water's dirty, it costs more to clean up, so these are pocketbook issues from a day-to-day standpoint. And the, the good news is, as we all know, that reducing a pound of pollution from an agricultural source is the least expensive pound of pollution you can get out of the environment. So. There's good news there, even though there's a lot of challenge ahead. There's there's uh, uh, there's clearly a path towards improvement. 
you know, the Wolf administration has said now repeatedly that they've inherited a lot of the problems. And they're saying all the right things. They want to get started on the right foot. They've got some real budget challenges uh, with the General Assembly. But we'd love to see uh, a couple of quick successes and some opportunities for some wins. You and I, Harry, have talked about getting a quick win for Pennsylvania by having more money allocated from the U.S. Department of Agriculture, money coming in through the Farm Bill, and certainly uh, getting Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack involved. Could you tell us a little bit about what might be possible there? Sure. And, you know, one of the things that really gives us hope that this money would be really efficiently and quickly used and could be meaningful for Pennsylvania farmers and water quality is that every year, basically two-thirds of farmers who raise their hand for conservation practice help, whether it be the design as well as the implementation of pollution reduction practices on the ground, two-thirds of those are denied because of lack of funding or lack of staff support. And so this investment of 15 or more million dollars a year could really do a lot as it pertains to getting things on the ground quickly because we have an abundance of farmers that have said, I'll do something, but they have to wait in line years and years and years to get that help, to get that dollar, to get that assistance to put those practices on the ground. And so investments like that not only show leadership and investment from the federal government, but they also yield tangible, meaningful, measurable results on the ground for water quality as well as for farmers' pocketbook. And, and we, th- we think that uh, right away, uh, immediately, uh, if to- uh, Secretary Tom Vilsack uh, were asked that he might be able to allocate as much as $15 million to Pennsylvania. That, that does appear to be the case. And so what it, we need is that investment coming from the federal government to get that ball rolling, to catalyze additional investment in water quality and our farms in Pennsylvania. And, and we've, we've seen that um, Senators uh, uh, Cardin of Maryland and, Senators, and Senator Casey of Pennsylvania have joined together to highlight this need and encourage the United States Department of Agriculture and Governor Wolf to work together. That's right. And this would be a tangible example of a new day in the leadership in Pennsylvania, both at a federal and state level, to get this job done, to provide the necessary push to see this effort be successful not only by 2017, not only by 2025, but for future generations down the road who will thank us for our investment in clean water today because they will see those returns time and time again. Uh, Harry, let's wrap up, but I want to ask you one more question. Back in the late 80s, I was on a commission in Pennsylvania that led to the establishment of the first nutrient management plan requirements for farmers in Pennsylvania. Uh, We're a couple of decades from that now, and we've got all the right things on the books, but uh, enforcement and implementation has been lagging. 
That's right. Well, indications from the Department of Environmental Protection indicate that no greater than 30% of Pennsylvania's farms are actually fully meeting our clean water requirements, whether it be a nutrient management plan or an erosion and sedimentation control plan. These are existing regulations that are on the books today, and they've been around in some cases for decades. So the expectation that the farms should be having these plans in the books and adhering to them is not new. It's not new regulation, but it should be our expectation that this is occurring. Now, if, if they can't get it done, there's assistance, and we think that there should be more assistance to get those plans on the ground to help people implement them. But frankly, you know, if, they're, if they said steadfastly refuse or if there's problems, then, of course, enforcement must be part of the conversation. And in Pennsylvania alone, in the Bay Watershed, there's roughly 44,000-plus farms. And so there's a big job to do to cover that. And so the state needs to have the investment on that side of the ledger as well in terms of assuring that farms are doing what we've asked them to do through regulations that we've approved as a society. So once again, we're faced with the good news, bad news story. We've got the regulations in place. We've got everything in place. It's a matter of implementation and enforcement. We need incentives, which is the cost share money we've talked about, and we need disincentives, which is some sort of consequence if the laws and regulations are not followed. So thank you very much, Harry Campbell, Executive Director of our Pennsylvania office, the Chesapeake Bay Foundation's office in Harrisburg, which has been in place since back in the 80s. Uh, we're grateful for your involvement and all of your staff. And for those listeners who are Pennsylvanians, I certainly think that you probably have some ideas as what you can do to help let your elected officials know how important clean water is in Pennsylvania for the rivers and streams, but also for the Chesapeake Bay downstream. And for those of you in Maryland, Virginia, let your elected officials know how important it is to work with Pennsylvania, work with the federal partners to get the job done throughout the entire six-state watershed. If this is Will Baker, president of the Chesapeake Bay Foundation. Thank you very much, and I look forward to talking with you again in two weeks. And in the meantime, uh, please come to our website, cbf.org, the one-stop place for information about the Chesapeake Bay and the rivers and streams that feed it and what you can do to help. Thanks very much. 